In this episode, we talk real-world impressions of the LX600, and we wrap up the season of Lexus Racing, this week on the Lexus Enthusiast Podcast. Hello, everyone. My name is Kevin Watts. I'm the founder of the Lexus Enthusiast website. Joining us, as always, Michael Pannone. How are you doing? Hey, Kevin. I'm doing well. How are you? Not too bad. It's starting to get a little cold here. But How cold is cold in Canada right now? <laughs> well, yeah, we're, well, you know, we could try to talk weather, but I deal in Celsius, you deal in Fahrenheit, so... Yeah, <laughs> it's it's freezing. So, mm. but you just finished your big move. I did. Yeah, I'm in the new house, and uh, actually, the same weekend that I moved was also the weekend of Petit Le Mans here at Road Atlanta. <laughs> so, it was it was pretty busy. Yeah, and you did manage to get up to uh, Road Atlanta to experience Lexus racing for the first time, and we're going to get into that for sure. But first, I just wanted to talk a little bit about Lexus racing and their season that they had. So after the race in Atlanta, that was the end of the season. They finished fourth overall in the Manufacturers Championship. So what that is, is they take the points from the vehicles that are all from the same brand calculate that and with Lexus having the two teams they finished fourth overall but individually the the two cars they have the number 14 car which is uh Jack Hawksworth's car he finished seventh in the GTD class for the season and the number 12 car finished eighth so not a great season for them a bit disappointing after their success last year where they finished third overall and won the sprint cup challenge but it was really just a case of bad results in the beginning in the season and they had a pretty good run later on but those first few races where they dropped a lot of points ended up affecting them uh i'm not really sure how we <laughs> okay what do you think how do you think we should transition here and i would say you know reading over the driver comments from the final race uh, everybody kind of shares their feeling that it was a disappointing season but this is a pretty interesting thing for Lexus to be doing. You know, back in the SC days, the SC Coupe days, they did a lot of racing and they had a lot of success. They ended up abandoning that program when they got back into it with the, with the RCF GT3. They didn't have immediate success, but I, I really do admire their uh, perseverance. I think that Lexus is definitely in racing for the long haul. By default, with the Kaizen philosophy, uh, Lexus should continually just get better <laughs> at, at racing. So... But like I said, like the year before, they had a great season. Definitely the relationship with uh, Vassar Sullivan, which is their partner in racing, really delivered on the promise of the RCF. I got to say, I I agree. And I was really surprised. I, I feel like I have to give a little bit of a disclaimer on this because I've never been that big into racing. And I can tell you why. Uh, my dad was obsessed with NASCAR the whole time growing up. He was a Dale Earnhardt fan. And so once Dale Earnhardt tragically died, my dad kind of like fell away from racing. But my mm -hmm. memories as a kid are like on the weekends growing up. And this is so obnoxious, but my dad used to turn on every television in the house at full <laughs> volume 
on whatever NASCAR race was on so that he could freely move from room to room and hear everything (laughs) happening in the race and never miss anything. So you can imagine being a kid growing up in this environment where like for hours on the weekend, like you can't watch TV, you can't watch movies and you really don't even want to be inside your house. So I grew <laughs> So I honestly grew up with like this terrible disdain for racing my whole yeah. life just cuz I was like oh this is this is awful. Um yeah. but anyway, you know, just like you I guess over the years on and off the last couple of years I've been following what Lexus Racing has been doing and then when I got the invitation to go to Road Atlanta, I was like yeah, sure, let's do it, but I really didn't know what to expect. So I was incredibly impressed with the people and the experience and the racing team. Like I got to meet those guys and they were awesome. The hospitality folks from Lexus who manage the program are amazing. Like, you know, we know Lexus Mm -hmm. hospitality is the best there is. And then just like you said, like the commitment to the program, like when I was talking to Jack Hawksworth and Jeff Ball and a couple of the other people, Andrew Gilliland was there, head of Lexus North America, Vinay Shahani, the head of marketing. (laughs) Like there were also a lot of executives there as well. And you definitely very quickly get the impression that this is something that Lexus is taking very seriously. And the environment is very competitive. Like BMW is there, Porsche is there, Mercedes is there, like like there's Corvettes, there's Camaros. I mean, it's an environment very much unlike anything else I've ever done before. Because they actually told me, did you go to a race with them a couple years ago? Yeah, I did. Uh, I actually did 24 hours of Daytona. Okay. And then I also did a, a race up here in, in outside of Toronto, uh, okay. where I met Jeff Bale and and uh, yeah, so I've, ha- I've definitely had the experience. Was it a blast? Did you enjoy it? Like the thing with racing, well, it's just like any other sport, right? But it's different because it's one of those things that unless you're like physically there, you may not be able to see the appeal. I don't mm. know necessarily that it translates very well to, you know, watching on TV. I know everybody, you know, people do it, of course, but personally, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the atmosphere. It really is its own little world. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I was, I, again, I went into it with like zero expectations, having mostly followed it online. But I mean, the setup is huge. Like I got there early on Saturday morning and there were already thousands of people there. Like people camped out, people come and like, you know, you have the paddocks, you have the hospitality area, you have the camping areas, you have the food setups. Like your analogy of like, it is any other sporting event. Like it is as big as like tailgating for any other sporting event I've ever seen, if not bigger with with like the added element that it's being financially <laughs> paid for by some of the largest and wealthiest companies in the world, which are automotive brands. So right. again, I showed up like the Lexus hospitality team was incredible, like in terms of giving me passes, driving me around on golf carts, bringing me to the track, bringing me back to the <laughs> hospitality suite. I think probably the coolest thing that I walked away from it with was just how committed Lexus is to racing and this racing program. They really see racing as a, as a way to validate their performance credentials. I mean, this is a way for them to hone their message because there is a certain segment of luxury buyers. You know, you can kind of divide them into two. There's people mm-hmm. that like the luxury and there's people that like the performance. And racing appeals to the people looking for performance. And I I say that because it's not something that I'm overly concerned with, but that doesn't make it any less valid. As I was leaving that weekend, it made me wonder 
what sort of car they will use in this program in the future, because to me, the dedication is clear. Like this is something mm-hmm. that they're going to be doing for a long time to come. Absolutely. And that's kind of the way that racing works, mm-hmm. at least at the GT3 level. You have these production vehicles that have been modified, but still basically the same as the one that you can buy at the dealership. And so there's a direct correlation between success on the track and what people feel like they're getting when they buy, say, a uh, RCF for. Yeah, agreed. And it, it really does make you wonder, like, it's either has to be the RCF, right? There were a bunch of different cars there, and I guess I don't always know how the classes break out, but mm-hmm. like there was, there were also BMW 8 Series, there were BMW M3s and M4s, so mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I guess it could be an IS, it could be an RC, or it could be an LC, potentially, just depending. But I, you know, what, looking at the way that they were working on the cars and the enhancements and the refinements that the team has made to the cars over the last couple seasons, it, I guess it just made me feel like, you know, looking at the RC being at the end of its kind of life cycle now, the IS having a couple more years now with the 21 refresh. I, I don't know what comes next, but it seems clear to me that Lexus is dedicated to rear wheel drive and racing in a way that there will be something else that comes to either replace or update the core car that they're using in the racing program. Well, yeah, because pretty soon they're just not going to be able to compete as the competitors continue to refine their coupes Mm -hmm. and their, you know, their performance vehicles. It really is a matter of what is Lexus going to do next. But that wasn't the full extent of your experience there at uh, Road Atlanta. You also uh, had a chance to go on a hot lap. Yes, we got to do hot laps in the IS 500 as part of the experience, which was really, really fun. Yeah. I actually, I wasn't expecting that part, but my love affair with the IS 500 is well documented. <laughs> and again, you know, the racetrack in this environment is a cool way and place for Lexus to merchandise and show off cars too. So they had a couple mm-hmm. IS 500s there, and then they also had a whole display of other vehicles, which we'll get to in a minute. But yeah, they were doing yeah. hot laps in the IS 500 at Road Atlanta, which was really, really fun. And the one I got to sit in was infrared with black interior you know that i love the infrared yeah. is 500 there you go um but <laughs> it was just it was a blast and you made the point before about you don't exactly appreciate it when you're watching on tv but holy shit like that track in the car at 100 you know over 100 miles an hour 120 miles an hour is yeah. insane so We posted the video on social media. It's on Facebook and Instagram. If you haven't seen it, check it out. But we got to do a hot lap in the IS 500 and it's straightaways. It was somewhere between 120 and 130 miles an hour. And these, these cars were completely stock. They were prototypes, but there's points where the track banks pretty severely and you kind of like go around a couple hairpins. And I always say this anytime I get to be around the IS500, but I'm so impressed with that car. I mean, truly like going around a corner at 80 miles an hour into a turn in a stock IS 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 a thrill. (laughs) Like I got to be honest. So it, it was great. Also, I should say I, when I was in the car, it was with three other grown men. So I can only imagine yeah. how much faster it would have been with less weight in it. Who drove? A guy named Tim. 
<laughs> Good old Tim. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What up, Tim? <laughs> no, they have a couple drivers who are like affiliated that were doing the hot laps, which is really fun. Isn't it crazy how they just talk and like yeah. they're just driving and it's just so normal for them? I had to grab the oh shit handle a couple times and he's just like talking. He's so one of the people who was in the car with us was like a rep from Michelin and the car had Michelin tires. And yeah. so they were like, you know, he goes around the corner like 85 miles an hour and I was like, oh, you know, Hail Mary, here's where I die. And they're just like, they're just talking about the tire and like how well the tire is holding up. That's like, oh man. Well, you know, it's funny because it, this whole experience, I was thinking about it, it brings to mind two things for me. And that is the first time that I was, I, I might have told this story, but it's so incredible that I don't mind repeating myself. The first time that I was ever in an LFA, was it New Jersey Motorsports Park or or something oh. like that? They they were doing this tour where they were trying to sell the cars based on the like the prototype they'd bring potential buyers and they'd drive them around and i went down it was my first experience with the lfa and scott pruitt was there you know obvious famous race car driver lexus ambassador and so i got into the lfa with him and he took me around for a hot lap and he had one hand on the wheel he was talking the whole time i honestly don't think that we were straight the whole time we were driving it was we were just sliding through everything and he was doing it all one hand completely relaxed and I thought I was going to barf. Mm-hmm. And it brings to mind this idea of what kind of athletes these people are. It really is a sport like anything else. And it was never more clear to me than I did this program. I did a lot of stuff around the LFA. Uh, that was around 2010. There was a thing called the, the LFA Driver Development Program. And owners would pay to come to Infineon Raceway, it was called, in Sonoma. Mm-hmm. And they would learn how to drive their, their new LFA. So this was back in the day of Lexus Magazine. Yeah. So Lexus Magazine sent me to Sonoma to take part as though I was an LFA owner. In preparation of this event, I I spent like two months, two months on Gran Turismo. I got the steering oh. wheel. I drove Nurburgring because I was like, I'm when I go there, I want to be able to drive this car for real. I got home. I don't want to just go and keep it in auto. And so I really had to kind of like figure out how to drive this car with the paddle shifts and and everything like that. And I was doing really great. And I practiced like over an hour a day for like two months. And I got there and I, I did the program and I was feeling like, yeah, I'm really great. Wow. I'm a really great driver. And then at the end of the thing, the instructor, who's a race car driver, is like, okay, so you've done this track, you've done it all. Now you're going to sit in the passenger side and I'm going to take you around this track. (laughs) It's like... It's, it, have you ever seen those videos of like a professional soccer player playing against like a whole team of kids and they can't yes. get the ball away from them? <laughs> yes. Yes. Or like somebody gets a fan experience to play. And yeah. Just, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I have never been so uh, humbled. It mm-hmm. was unbelievable. Like just the precision athleticism of these people. It really doesn't get... There's this not as much appreciation as maybe there should be. It's like kind of the melding of machine and man, right? But at the same time, yeah. you really have to appreciate that these people could get into a Tercel and you could be <laughs> in an RCF and they would still beat you around the track. They would the still track. take you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it's just, it really is something else. And that's really what I always got out of like hot laps, but also racing in general is that you really have to appreciate it like you would appreciate soccer or mm-hmm. basketball because like this is a really high level of human performance 
And you don't get that when you're watching the cars go around the track on a TV. You don't get that because all you see is the cars and it feels more about the cars than it does about the people driving them. Yeah. I think that it's really, it's really great that you were able to go. I think that I'm really looking forward to the chance, like the two of us going to a race, like the 24 hours of Daytona. I think I talked about that on the first podcast that we ever did was probably the best press trip experience that I ever had. And it was because of that close knit group there. It was getting that kind of access that we get due to Lexus enthusiast. And we were able to go right down into the paddock and talk to the drivers. It is a very, we are very lucky in that regard. And it's just really a, another world. You really, it really was. Yeah. Yeah. You can see the appeal. You can see the appeal of why people, you know, drive their Porsche 911 GT3s and go and camp at a racetrack. And you, you can definitely understand it. And I think that there's a big difference between the IMSA races and NASCAR. There's a much more direct correlation to a street car. Yeah, exactly. Like- yeah. And, and that was one of the things truly when you were just saying, you know, having the appreciation for the kind of the art of racing. When I was in an IS 500 going 85 miles an hour through it, like a 90 degree turn almost like it gives you the true appreciation of how much more these performance vehicles are capable of than they will ever see on the street. Like. Even in people who like to drive or think it's fun. And look, I mean, there are rules in this category of racing where like, you know, it has to be based on a production car, things like that. You know, NASCAR base is what, like a rear wheel drive chassis with like a Camry body over it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's it's, it's all, they're all driving the same cars. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And sorry if you're a NASCAR fan, but no, the, the, (laughs) the connection between something like this and something like a street car is a lot closer. And I I think I, I felt that there with the team and, like talking to them about how the cars have been running and, you know, the improvements they've made season over season. And then also talking to a couple of the drivers, I guess a number of them have spent a good bit of time driving the IS 500 and they talked about how much they love it, the response and the reaction from the V8 and stuff like that. So yeah, it just, it like at the end of the day, as much fun as I had, I went back again to this place of being even more excited for the future because the, what Lexus is doing in racing like the excitement is palpable and it feels like they really will continue trying to learn with racing and translate it into their road cars. Well, yeah. And I mean, they're joining their, um, IMSA is creating a new class within their races. So with uh, these IMSA races, it's a number of different classes that will participate in the race at the same time, but they're all racing in their own class. So they're, they're doing a new class. I know that Vassar Sullivan will continue to be involved, but there is definitely something new coming it's exciting to see what that's going to be about. Mm-hmm. Agreed. But we're just going to keep going with this road Atlanta thing because you also got to see the new uh, LX 600. Yeah, we did. So the other half of probably the other half of the experience, I would say, is almost like the social part of it in a sense where a lot of the brands have like they do invite enthusiasts, Lexus included. They invite, you know, enthusiasts and executives and dealers. So you really do bring together a community of people who love cars, even if they don't necessarily know as much about racing like me, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So Lexus had a whole setup with like there was a basically a merchandise shop where you could come and like buy merch and check out cars. They had an LSF Sport, a really beautiful new LC Inspiration Series. They had a new NX up there, which it looked great. It was an atomic silver luxury model, which was really pretty. And then, yes, they did. They had the new LX 600 and it was my first time seeing it in person. And I was really impressed with it. 
you remember like a podcast or two ago where I was kind of saying that I wish it looked different and it after so many years I was expecting something a little more dramatic mm-hmm. in person it is very different it's hard to capture in photos but the car has you know I feel like it's fair to say that LXs have always been fairly boxy like in a good way right yeah. like I think yeah, yeah. In, a, in a land kind cruiser of the tra- yeah and that's like the traditional land cruiser shape this this new one it's curvy like the curves are there like the fenders in the back and the front and then the roof line and kind of that kink in the back of the greenhouse towards the back end of the car it has a lot of curves i was surprised at how different it looks in person and you definitely have to see it in person to appreciate it versus pictures well the thing i've been thinking about the lx a lot of my hesitation with it has been about like we talked about it before but the black trim and everything like Mm -hmm. that and I, I couldn't quite put my finger on why I didn't like it. And I mean, people like things and don't like things. That's normal. But there was something more to it. And I, I feel like the the black trim is really trendy right now in mm-hmm. in other vehicles. And I feel like the interior is kind of trendy looking. And I never I've never pictured the LX as, as being like trendy. trendy. That's a great point. <laughs> like, and I think that that's what I was felt was missing from the redesign is sort of that classic LX Mm -hmm. look. But I think that it's more about me getting over what I expected as opposed to what the vehicle really is, right? I think you're right about the black trim thing. I agree with you. I think that probably, you know, five or 10 years from now, like this blacked out trim and blacked out fender flare thing because remember it was also that was also kind of big like in the early 2000s for suvs remember like all the body cladding it was black and then it went back out (laughs) so you know i know that like what we're talking about on the lx is more tastefully done than that at least for right now but i agree with you And, and having having it be a black lx f sport also hides that so i'm gonna have to see some other colors and things like that before i form a full opinion and i will also mention that seeing the interior in person you couldn't get in it but we, we i was able to look at it oh, yeah. i i know that some people like still are not sold on the interior the layered screen look is definitely something that you have to get used to but seeing mm-hmm. it in person it looks really really substantial and really high-end more so than the current lx like really really nice i liked it a lot person well when we were talking to when we were talking to rich last week one of the things that i was kind of surprised at him saying was about how they wanted to bring the lx back to its rightful place as Mm -hmm. a ultra luxury suv and i thought that was a really interesting point because they're really trying to bring the lx into the fold of the rest of the lineup as a more central model they have bigger aspirations for this lx i think I think so too. And maybe previously. And I, I think that has to do with the Land Cruiser disappearing from the North American market and, and things like that. One of the interesting things I think for me, like seeing it in person, it actually looks a little bit smaller than any LX before. And I think part of that is the curvier shape and the fact that it's not as square and upright. Like when I walked mm-hmm. up to it, I was sort of surprised. It, it looks and feels really different in person. It definitely feels a little bit more expensive. It definitely feels a little bit more upscale, but it is still very much an LX. Like when I was looking at it, especially some of the angles from the back and looking at it dead on, not to say it looks like Range Rover, but it, it has more of that type of Range Rover flair of being sporty and being an off-road vehicle. So mm-hmm. 
Mm. I'm excited for you to see one in person because I'll be interested to hear what you think. Well, we just recently heard about the colors that they're going to release mm-hmm. the LX in, and, and they were all very neutral tones. I think there was only one that was a non-neutral. Yeah, it's basically white, silver, atomic silver, gray, black, and nori green. <laughs> Doesn't that explain to you the the design? Th- those colors, to me, explain why the design is the way that it is. I really feel like the LX, with its front end, with everything going on with it, I feel like it's naturally suited to lighter colors, the standard model. And then you have the F-Sport, which I f- obviously feel is going to look better in the, the darker gray and the, and the black it's almost like they they designed the car based on the colors that they were going to offer it in. <laughs> I'm sure Lexus knows some things that we don't, obviously, with how they choose to do colors and packages and stuff like that. But looking at the color palette, I do hope for a couple other options. Like the GX offers Claret Mica, which is kind of a burgundy color oh, yeah, that yeah. I actually really, really like. I think it's very pretty. Yeah. Um, the LS offers Nightfall Mica, which is like a it's like really dark navy. And... I gotta say, I think Claret Mica with Palomino would be a really, really rich combination on the LX. Mm-hmm. So I hope that they do something like that. And I, I guess, I don't know, I, I get it that most of those SUVs you see, especially if you look at Escalades or Navigators, like most of them are black, right? Like yeah. most people want black with black interior. Yeah, exactly. But to me, when you see one that's not black, it's almost like a bit more striking and you're like, oh, wow, that's really pretty. <laughs> so Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah. Yeah, overall, I was really, really impressed. Again, you guys know I'm a Land Cruiser fanboy. I love the LX just as much. And when I saw it in person, I was like, wow, this, I was really impressed. It looks really, really nice. It looks really, really expensive. And then they also had a couple other vehicles around the display. They had a GX black line in nori green which oh, yeah, yeah. you know i love that as well yeah, yeah. and uh, the other one the other one that really 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 stuck out to me that i wasn't expecting was they had a new nx350 f sport so it had white exterior and it had kind of like that two-tone interior that's like the white and black leather yeah but because it was the f sport it had black wheels And I haven't posted the pictures of it yet. We'll post them soon. But wow, I was really like, I kept walking around that thing and I was like, damn, this is really nice. (laughs) Like I sent a couple, I actually sent a couple pictures to Jackson uh, and I was like, what do you think of this? Do you like that? And he's like, I'm not getting a new car anytime soon. (laughs) um, It looked really, really good. Really good. Every, every time I see the new NX, I love it a little more. And for some reason, the white F sport combination was like really stunning, really nice. Well, I mean, I'm really excited about the TX, which is the rumored three-row crossover coming from Lexus. Mm -hmm. I'm really excited about it because I feel like they're going to be able to... The NX really sets the table for the next generation of Lexus crossovers. And that's weird because, you know, the LX is the top, but I feel like the NX and the way that it's been designed and and put together is really going to influence the RX and really going to influence this TX as well. And I really love what I've seen from the NX and I'm really looking forward to seeing how they're going to translate that into all the other models. I mentioned before that in person, the LX, I was surprised it felt a little smaller than I thought. But when I was standing there looking at it, I see how the TX can be bigger. Like the TX can be a couple inches longer and Mm -hmm. they will work well together, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. And there's definitely room in the lineup for two large SUVs. That's the market. Mm -hmm. Can we title this episode like get in loser? We're going racing. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, of course we can. Well, I think that about covers it for this week. I think so too. Yeah. So we will be back two weeks time with more Lexus news. Thanks everybody. Cool. Thanks, Kevin. Yep. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm. Get over here and sit your ass down. Go. Uh Get out. Poor guy. No, she likes to sit at the door and like grumble until I let her out to chase Chipmunk. (laughs) And she's not going to do it today. (laughs) (laughs) I've never seen this side of you before. (laughs) Oh my God. You have no idea.